0: Welcome to the Bible Tract Echoes radio broadcast. I am Evangelist Mike McCurry, the director of the Bible Tracts Incorporated. We are so privileged that you would partner with our ministry in this audio way. The fact that you would be a part of this broadcast today at this hour means so much to me personally and to all of our staff. We do not take it for granted. Thank you so very much. I'd also like to extend a warm thank you to all of the radio stations across America and across the world that carry this, a gospel-centered, a gospel-focused program like Bible Track Echoes. The fact that these stations carry it to you it means so very much to me, and I want to thank each of them for their part in our ministry across the world. Bible Tracks Incorporated has been printing gospel literature for Christians just like you for over 80 years. It really is amazing that you and I, that we get to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but furthermore, the fact that we get to serve Him together to be co-laborers for the gospel's sake That's such a privilege, isn't it? Speaking of co-laborers, I'm excited to share with you a short testimony. One of those letters from the front that I'm so fond of. I'd like to share with you a friend of mine named Gail and how he tells of a need, the pressing need to carry gospel tracts on him at all times. Here's what he says. About four months after a visit to the ER for chest pains that thankfully turned out to be nothing, I had to go back for a checkup. I had taken no tracks because it was almost Christmas night. I figured no one would be there. It would be empty. I thought that was the case, but it did not turn out to be true. Shame on me. There was a woman who had brought her mother in because of cancer and needed a checkup. I gave her thankfully. I had one last tract. I was searching all over, trying to find one in my coat, a blustery cold winter day. I had one last tract in my billfold. And from then on, I decided, no matter what, just in the off chance that I forget to bring gospel tracts with me, I'm going to make sure to stuff a few gospel tracts into my billfold to bring them with me. Brother Gail, thank you so much for that testimony and that timely and pertinent reminder that the type of people that give out gospel tracts, what type of people are they, do you think? Well, it's the kind of people, the type of people that carry gospel tracts. If you don't have them on you, you cannot give them out. Of course, that just makes sense. So men, make sure you put them in your coat, maybe in your back pocket. Make sure there are some in the door of your car there in that little compartment. Ladies, you have a very convenient spot. You can put them in your purse. Now, I won't tread on the old illustration or funny stories that our founder Paul Levine used to tell and poke a little fun at the ladies for having large purses if you happen to. Please don't take offense, but he used to poke a little fun at the menagerie of things that you could keep in a purse that size, and of course he would exaggerate, use a little bit of hyperbole, and I won't go that direction today out of respect for all of the female listeners that are a part of our audience today, but in all seriousness, make sure you carry Gospel Tracks. And an easy way to get Gospel Tracks is to visit our website, BibleTracksInc.org. Once again, that's BibleTracksInc.org. You can order as many Gospel Tracks as you can use for free. Now, we will not turn away a donation. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, please feel free to do so. But BibleTracksInc.org, we would love for you to be a distributor of our Bible tracts. And now, before turning to our Bible study in 1 Kings, and if you would use your Bible, turn to the book of 1 Kings. We've been reviewing and learning about the life of Elijah and something that was missing there. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but I have been derelict in my duty. As the director of Bible Tracks Incorporated, I should more often bring prayer requests to you. One thing that I would like you to pray about is the opportunity that our ministry has to print gospel tracts in three different countries. Now, we've printed and, and sent tracks to over 170 different countries, but here are three names of countries that I'd like to bring to the forefront at this moment. The country of Pakistan, the country of India, and the country of Mexico, the needs of Are staggering worldwide. But in the next few days, weeks, and months, there will be wide open doors of opportunity to print and ship gospel tracts to these countries Mexico, India, and Pakistan. Friend, we need the grace of God. We need generous people just like you to partner with us. If you would, though, before any of those things occur, we're going to need the prayers of God's people. So please, partner with us on your knees. If you would bring these petitions to the Lord, there are millions of untold people, of souls that are in need of a Savior, and we would like to have a part in reaching them. Again, pray for Pakistan and the tract need there. Pray for India. Pray for Mexico with us, if you would. Let's see what God can do on our behalf. Turn, if you would, to the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter number 17. I'll give you a moment to find your way there. As you do so, make sure to visit our website, bibletracksinc.org. You can read our latest newsletters there, of course. Don't want you to miss out on anything that's going on, all of the amazing answers to prayer and praises that God has given us. Visit bibletracksinc.org to visit that site right now. 1 Kings chapter number 17, we begin with verse number 1 and Elijah the Tishbite. I of course made mention last week on the program of our first this being our first introduction to this man named Elijah. And he enters the scene into a broken and a depressed world, but thankfully God always begins with a devoted workman. And today in this account that workman is the man Elijah. He's a man that's devoted not to his own will, not to his own work, not to his own wisdom, but to the word of the Lord. And that phrase makes the first appearance in verse number two, and the word of the Lord came unto him, meaning Elijah, saying. And throughout this chapter, we get to observe and see an example of a devoted workman just following the word of the Lord, Elijah follows the word of the Lord to the brook Cherith, where he is fed literally by ravens. Now, that's a miracle in and of itself. But understand, Elijah, in this account, had just proclaimed a famine, really a drought upon the entire land of Israel. Because of the wickedness of their leader, King Ahab, who the Bible says was more wicked than any that came before him. Elijah storms into the throne room and pronounces this drought and walks right back out and then immediately follows the will of the Lord, the word of the Lord, to a small little creek bed named the brook Cherith, where he's fed by ravens. But very quickly, due to the drought, that brook dries up. Then he follows the word of the Lord once again to the widow of Zarephath. And thankfully, due to a miracle of occurrences, uh, the miracle of God allowing himself to work through Elijah, the widow of Zarephath and her son are fed miraculously by a barrel of meal that will not waste, will not go away, and a cruse of oil that will not dry up. But then that brings us all the way down to verse number 16, where we pick up what I just mentioned, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail according to what? Those next five words. Read them with me if you would. The word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. And we concluded our study yesterday with the beginning of verse number 17 and 18, and it came to pass after these things, that the son of the woman... The mistress of the house fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. What a sad circumstance. The boy has died. Now realize the fact that he and his mother were still alive at this point was simply by the grace of God. They could have succumbed to their lack of food a long time ago had it not been for a miracle provided by God through his man, Elijah. And yet we see here in verse number 18, what seems to be on the face of it, a foolish and faithless accusation made by the woman towards the man Elijah. Here's what she says. And she said unto Elijah, what have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? You can almost hear the sarcasm, the snark in her voice. Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son. Now it seems here that she has completely done a 180 on her attitude to this point. I can only imagine how grateful she has been to Elijah every time she wakes up in the morning and goes to the cupboard and pulls down that cruise of oil and the barrel of meal. And somehow, some way, there's just enough for one more meal, enough sustenance for them to survive one more day, keep her and her son alive. I can only imagine the joy that she feels every time that miracle displays itself. And yet, she has completely changed her tune at this moment. We also see that maybe she's feeling a little bit of guilt for past transgressions. Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance? I don't know what it is she may be referring to, but maybe she's trying to throw back in the face of Elijah the fact that she has cleaned up her life. Why are you bringing up some things? Why do I feel like you are judging me, I should say, for things I've done earlier on in life that I thought I had gotten forgiveness for. How could you judge me so harshly, O thou man of God, in taking my son from me? Friend, this seems to be a natural response, doesn't it? A mother has lost her son. Yes, he's a son that would have been lost weeks and months earlier had it not been for the intervention of God and his man Elijah. But even so, how horrible it must have hurt to be confronted with this loss Of all that she holds dear, a widow woman with nothing to her name except for a small hut, an endless barrel of meal, and a cruise of oil, and her son. That's all she had. But it's amazing how the barrel of meal and the cruise of oil didn't mean anything to her at this moment, did they? Friend, can I tell you this? The world will forget you as soon as their belly is empty. Here's what I mean by that. Here's the thought. I am not opposed in any way whatsoever to social good. I have had part in and I am appreciative of food banks and things of that nature. I am not opposed to them in the least. But can I tell you, friend, if all you are doing for the world is providing a social good and without a spiritual good, a spiritual benefit to back it up, then, friend... When the boy dies and he doesn't wake up, they will forget all the good you've done for them in the past. Because something's missing. The theme of our study throughout this chapter has been something's missing. And can I tell you? What's missing is not a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's not a can of non-perishable soup. No, friend, those things are well and good. Helping somebody with a rent check... That's a good and great thing, and I've been a part of churches that have done that. Can I tell you? If you do not also provide the way of eternity, the way to heaven, the gospel, then what you provided is only temporal, not eternal. We're going to continue this study. We're going to learn from the life of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. We're going to see what God does through this circumstance on the broadcast tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. God bless.